and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, we are now in the time period of Hanukkah, which is always a special time. It's the darkest time of the year, and this is the time of year where we start lighting the Hanukkah candles to remember miracles and part of our history that happened so long ago, but especially right now in light of everything going on in the world and for the Jewish people. I feel like some of the big messages of Hanukkah, first of all, light in the darkness, light during dark times, the idea of miracles, the idea of needing to fight for our survival against enemies. There's so many aspects of Hanukkah that I definitely feel this year, um, big topics um, have a totally new meaning than maybe they have in the past. And so I really wanted to take this opportunity to ask you, Rabbi, what would be some messages, some lessons, some insights from the holiday of Hanukkah that we are now going to be celebrating that we can tap into right now? And I always know that every holiday after before when I speak to you, I always find that I can immerse in the holiday more when I'm in more of the perspective of what am I supposed, where's my mind space supposed to be? What opportunity can I tap into? Beautiful. Well, I think the uh, conflict between the Jews and the Greeks uh, was summed up by Albert Einstein, although he summed it up without realizing he was addressing that issue. I don't think he intended to address that issue, but he said that there's two ways of looking at the world. Either nothing's a miracle or everything's a miracle. And that's really the difference between the Jews and the Greeks and the Hellenists. The Hellenists believe nothing's a miracle. They believe that the world is founded upon wisdom and logic and nothing illogical can happen. Nature rules supreme and nothing extraordinary is going to happen. The laws of nature are written in eternity stone and nothing is going to change. And that doesn't really give us much of a light of hope that in in dark times, anything's going to change. They believe that history was an inevitable process and that the past determines the present, which determines the future. And again, nothing exceptional, nothing unusual is going to part from that, you know, predetermined journey. And they believe that there were gods, but they believe that the gods have no interest in human beings. And all this is the absolute opposite of what, we Jews believe, we believe that the world is founded upon will. We believe that the world is a creation of kindness, that Hashem didn't have to create the world and what happens in the world doesn't have to happen. You see, if you're in a world of nature, then, you know, nature is the world of what has to happen. You know, uh, that's nature. It's, if that's what, if, 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 you know, if, if that's what you do in nature, if you light a match and you then you put it to, to straw, it it's, has to burn. You know, that's just, it's the world of what has to happen. But we believe in a world that didn't have to be, and that the way, even though, create, even though God created nature, nature is founded on the will of God, and, and, uh, and miracles are possible. We don't rely on miracles, but we don't deny the possibility of miracles, and we believe that the creator of the world is interested in us and seeks a connection and a relationship with us, and uh, and that there's a promise of a beautiful, bright future ahead of us. And if uh, if need be, if the if the course of history is going in the wrong direction, then something extraordinary could happen to get it back on track. Hmm. So it really is a question of what world do I live in, and what it comes down to is a belief systems really creates a certain aspect of the reality that we live in. Because as I'm thinking about what you're explaining, the world of the Greeks 
where it's just about nature, which oddly enough, God created the nature that they believe on, but it's more limiting. Whereas when we recognize, yes, there is a world of nature, God created that, but there's also an ability to transcend that nature that that can exist. Uh, it's a totally different world that we're living in. Absolutely. There's a story in the Talmud about a rabbi, Hanina ben Dusa, whose daughter mistakenly bought a bottle of vinegar, uh, thinking it was oil to light her Shabbat candles and only realized this you know, very shortly before Shabbat and realized that she could not light Shabbat candles and she was distraught. Her father walked in, saw that she was distraught and asked her why, and she explained. And he said, well, why is that a problem? He who said oil shall light shall say vinegar shall light and light the vinegar and the vinegar lit like oil. And, uh, well, what is what, that's because Rabbi Hanina believed that oil doesn't light because it's the nature of oil, but oil lights because it's the will of God. And the will of God could easily decide that vinegar will light. And that's something. Uh, and so our beliefs, you know, I say our lives are, are kind of made of beliefs. They're not make belief, but they're made of beliefs. Mm. That's for sure true. I mean, the way the made of believes really creates the world that I live in. Now, the belief in miracles, I think it's a very important concept, and we have a whole history of it because we have the miracles that happened in Egypt. We have miracles that happened to our forefathers. And then the Hanukkah story is, relatively speaking, a story that happened long ago, but still more recent than uh, the miracles of the splitting of the sea when we left Egypt. But nowadays, I mean, we do have miracles for sure, but I don't, do we have miracles that change nature the way that oil that should have lasted for one day, but lasted for eight? Do, do, does that still happen? And, and why is it that sometimes God will perform miracles and other times not? Well, we're in a, we're in an age where God performs miracles through the vehicle of nature. Mm. Uh, you know, it's like the, the, the war of the Maccabeans against the Greeks is a miraculous victory. And yet, it wasn't a splitting of a sea. There, these were men who went to war and bravely risked their lives. But the chance, the possibility of a small band of un, unexperienced soldiers beating the great mighty Greeks is, is just, you know, a zero possibility. And yet it's not sea splitting or, you know, anything like that. It's uh, it's God working through us, and we're in the we're in the age where God manifests His miracles, garbed in nature, but this is definitely a miracle. Same thing. It, 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 the miracle was not vinegar turning into light; it was oil that was lighting longer than naturally it should, but it was still oil, and. Um, these are the kind of miracles that are happening in, in our time. You know, you hear miracles in the battlefield right now against Hamas. Uh, I heard a story about an, uh, a, uh, a, a soldier who was negligent, negligent with his gun and it misfired and happened to kill a terrorist that was about to attack them. And I mean, the chances of that is is zero, that it, it, there should be a misfire and somehow it should exactly hit a terrorist that was about to pounce on them. So you hear these kind of miracles. Um, it's true that someone has the ability to deny them and say it's just luck. Uh, but you add up luck 
enough times, it starts feeling like something's a lot more at play than just luck. Hmm. But ultimately, to a degree, then there's a certain free choice point in actually seeing the miracle, recognizing it, as opposed to saying, yeah, one in a million chance, but it was chance. Meaning there still is a, a the point that we have to choose to recognize the miracle and that God's in this picture. Well, that's, you know, uh, that's for a Purim discussion, because the Purim story is uh, the, the Megillah, the, 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 the story itself, does not acknowledge God directly the name of god is not mentioned in the megillah and yet that that's exactly the point a person could could uh, you know just kind of uh uh deny that what happened in purim was a miracle it's just a you know unusual uh collection of events but bottom line there is no hand of god in it and uh in the end this is our choice you know you could choose to believe that that there's a power greater than us that runs the world that is interested in us and is on our side. Uh, or you could believe that we are the product of chaos and there is no story to life and there's no happy ending either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't prove either one of them is true, although I think I could provide pretty good evidence for the God case. But but bottom line, you can't 100% prove there's a God and you can't 100% prove there isn't a God. But I think we can demonstrate that a person that lives with faith has got a much better life, better attitude, and it gets them out of bed in the morning. Totally true. Totally true. You know, as you're talking about these miracles, it's making me think, and I'd love to hear more. You know, there's the the remembrance of the miracle that happened. We light our Hanukkah, we light the candles one every night. Ultimately, by eight nights, we have the eight candles plus the shamash, the candle that lights the others. In a sense, though, I'm thinking as we're lighting these candles, as you're explaining what the what it's all about, is that it's really, I think, a reminder to us and all those who see it that miracles do exist. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what hope there is. Uh, you know, this war that's going on right now is started in a beyond devastating way, and uh, you know, the the Jewish people are surrounded by enemies you know millions and millions of people who who hate us the percentage of palestinians that support what the hamas did on october 7th is is astounding and yet here we are even in the midst of such devastating terror we're alive we're strong and we're going to win you know it's interesting it is a miracle. And as I'm thinking about this, because there's so many comparisons, even though it's a different story, but there really are so many comparisons between what's going on now and what happened so long ago, except what happened not long ago, we know the story. And right now we're in the middle of our story. And so it's sometimes we're in the middle. It's hard to have the perspective that you can have on a story that already happened a long time ago that you know more about it, you know how it ended. But it was also both a, phys- a physical and ideological battle might have been a little bit different than the one now, but there was an ideological component and a physical component to the battle we had against the Yibanim, the, the Greeks. Well, that's actually why the celebration very much uh, centers on these candles. I mean, there was a military victory and we do acknowledge it, but center stage of this holiday is the fact that these this oil lasted longer than it naturally could. And that's because that's the symbol of the victory. The fact that we won a, a war is one thing, but we we actually were victorious 
in terms of our beliefs, because as I mentioned before, the Greeks believe that what is is what has to be, and what will be is only what has to be. And we believe that the world is founded on the pure will of God and nothing has to be. And so um, these, the, the, you know, what's so interesting about this miracle is it's a miracle that we didn't need. Hmm. You know, I understand a miracle like the splitting of the sea. The Jewish people are there at the sea. The Egyptians are hot on their trail. They're about to, to commit a genocide of the Jewish people by the sea. And so if that sea doesn't split, that's the end of Jewish history. So that, that's a miracle that we needed. But, the, but, but candles, you know, oil that lights longer than it could, that one canister of pure light, you know, according to Jewish law, we could light a menorah with contaminated oil if there is no other oil. So this, this was not a miracle that was addressing life and death, but it was a miracle that represented the real fight which is God is going to do something for you that he doesn't need to do, that we believe in a God, not like their gods that are not interested in man and certainly doesn't love man. We believe that God loves us and is interested in us. And what is one of the great ways you show a person that you love them is when you do what they need, you, you, you provide their needs, but you also spoil them a little bit and you give them what they don't need. It's an interesting thing that, the, the, the symbol of a wedding is uh, the husband giving his wife a diamond ring, like something she just doesn't need. You know, like you could live without a diamond ring and some of these rings are worth a, worth a fortune. She's certainly not going to cut glass with that diamond ring. She's not going to clean her teeth with the diamond ring. It's something that is completely unnecessary. And that's one of the ways you show a person that you love them. You know, imagine at the wedding, he buys her socks like, you know, like she needs <laughs> socks and hopefully your husband will provide you with your needs, but also spoil you and treat you and provide you also what you don't need. And that's a sign of love. And those those candles are candles of love where God is doing a miracle that we don't need. But it's sure nice to have it. Wow. This is so powerful because I never quite thought about the fact that we do focus on the candles and there was a miracle of the victory of the war and the oil. But it's a very powerful point that the victory of the war was what I call necessary for us to survive. The candles, we would have survived if we had to wait another eight days to start lighting the the menorah in the Beit HaMikdash. But this was but, a but, gift but as of love. You, you wouldn't even have to wait eight days ah, because it wasn't, you're okay. permitted to use contaminated oil if there is no other Nothing oil. Left. So it was totally unnecessary. But what's so powerful to me is that when you're sharing that the miracle that we're celebrating is all about God's love for us, um, not only providing the necessary miracles, but even going beyond that to remind us, even in tough times, I'm here, so to speak. That's such a powerful message, especially for now, because when we're going through dark times and painful times. I think oftentimes that's when people struggle with where is God? And in the Hanukkah story, I'm sure there were lots of people struggling. Where is God? And yet this miracle was to remind us that God is here, not just on the survival level of as in, for the nation, but even beyond that. Yes, yes. You know, the Jewish people have been challenged in their faith over and over again. And uh, and, uh, and I would not. Person who who in, in such troubling, terrifying, torturing times, they gave up their faith. Uh, and yet we go on. And, and, and there's no question that a life of faith is a life that 
gets you out of bed, gives you hope. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and this is what this holiday is about. It's about lighting light in darkness. It's a light of hope. And uh, when people lose hope, uh, that's, a, that's a tragic moment when you lose hope. Uh, I have a friend who had a brain tumor and she went to uh, a leading expert who looked at her file and said, I can't help you. You've got one year, maybe two years to live. It just took away her hope. Uh, but she did more research and found doctors that aren't as famous as him that were optimistic and gave her hope. And she's still alive 15 years later. Wow. That's such a powerful story. Because I think that is what we need right now. I think when we're relying, and this is actually another point as I'm thinking about all the very important points you're sharing, is that we're only relying on nature, so to speak, then we may have less reason to hope. But if we recognize that within nature, God created nature, and there's also the possibility of miracles, then it's we don't have to necessarily lose hope even sometimes when it can seem hopeless. I mean, that example you gave of this woman is powerful in an individual way. This is true on a national level, too. Well, that's the question. Is logic determining the results or is it love that's determining the results? Logically, the Jewish people should not be here anymore. Logically, we have over and over again being challenged and and tortured and 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 murdered and and you know and logically if you put the odds up about how many enemies we have and and this particular situation has really unleashed a fiery rage of anti-semitism that people are shocked by people are just waking up to this anti-semitism that was just underneath the surface and so one would think, what is the chances of us surviving? And yet, not only have we survived through it all, we have we have thrived because of it all. Hmm. And that is ultimately the response, ideally, we, we want and we need is not just to survive, but to thrive, which is why I think this holiday right now coming as it is, it comes at, I guess, the darker time of the year where the days are short, the nights are long. And yet it's a it's a hug where the idea is creating more light, which is thriving. You might be in a dark situation, but light a candle and then light another and then light another and continue to bring more and more light. There is an idea when we're lighting candles. I've heard this before about there's certain like mind spaces we're supposed to be in as we contemplate the lights that we're lighting. Any thoughts to share about maybe the mind space, the kavanot, the, the focus we're supposed to have when we're lighting our candles? Yes, I'm glad you asked that because we are reciprocating. You know, just as God did something for us that we don't need, which is a beautiful way of saying, I love you, I give you what you need, but which is a, a victory in a war, but I also give you what you don't need, which is some really nice, cool lights. We do the same. We are responsible to write, light one light, but we actually on our own have decided to light more than one light and add a light every day. And even though one person from the household could light on behalf of the entire household, we add to that and we again do something that we don't, we're not required to do, but we decided to do, which is to have everybody in the household light their own menorah. And so we are, so to, so to speak, reciprocating as just as God shows his love for us by giving us something we, we, we don't need that he doesn't have to do. We do the same and we do something that we are not required to do, but want to do it as a show of love. Wow. 
Well, that adds a whole new element to what Hanukkah is all about that I really had never thought about before. It's not just about recognizing miracles, lighting up dark times, but it's really about the relationship we have with God. And especially during the times where it might be dark, but really there's love. It's there's We have to see the love. And this is a holiday, I think, to remind us that even when there's darkness, there is love. But I think, again, we have to open up our eyes to see it. Just like a miracle, as you were explaining, we could just explain it away as it happens to be. We have to make the choice to see the miracle. Sometimes it can be very obvious and we can still choose not to see it. Sometimes it's not as obvious and we open up our eyes to see it. Same thing with God's love in our life. Um, I really appreciate the idea of when we're lighting the candles, recognizing that it's not just about me bringing more light into the world, but it's also about me connecting in a point of love in my relationship with God. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.